This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Wonderful to be back with you guys after an awesome experience of running in the mountains. Hester and I had some amazing times and some also challenging times running a four-day stage race. So we Last Sunday was our last day. It was a good day. Some of the other days were a bit challenging, as some people have already heard. So we are formed in relationships. We grew closer to each other through the good times and the bad times. Okay, So it was really amazing, but I won't share too much now. But I'm really excited to share with you this morning about powerful relationships. Say powerful relationships. Who of you want to grow in your relationships? Who of you are fine with where you're at in your relationships? (laughs) Some people. (laughs) It's like the wives are looking at the husbands. You're not fine. You better grow. (laughs) And same with the other way. So I'm really excited. I'm, I'm I just feel the Holy Spirit wants to do something special this morning in our church and this month, these next three weeks, I'm really trusting that God is going to take us to the next level in our relationships with one another, okay? So I think we're growing in our relationship with the Lord. The words have come out about repentance and about our connection, our intimacy with God, and all of that is is number one, amen? Who agrees our relationship with Jesus is number one? But out of that relationship should flow relationships with one another, and good, powerful relationships with one another. Wouldn't you agree? And last month, we talked about being devoted to prayer, which is ultimately being devoted to your relationship with Jesus. Hopefully you picked that up. It's not about praying as such, but it's about being devoted to Him, to connection with Him. But the next thing that the the disciples were devoted to was a fellowship, okay? They were devoted to relationships with one another. But just before I start, let's have some few laughs with some dad jokes. Who wants some dad jokes this morning? Okay, I think some of us need a good laugh. Okay, so my boss is going to fire the employee with the worst posture. I have a hunch it might be me. My wife likes it when I blow air on her when she's hot, but honestly, I'm not a fan. I accidentally handed my wife a glue stick instead of a chapstick. She still isn't talking to me. (laughs) And then this is applicable to us at the moment. I have a dog to provide me with unconditional love, but I also have a cat to remind me that I don't deserve it. It's all about balance. We have just got a new cat, okay? So now our cats are catching up to our kids. We've got three cats, three kids and two cats. So the cats are slowly catching up to the kids. But anyway, maybe we'll get a third cat as well. Some more dad jokes next week, so come back for that, okay? <laughs> I've got a whole list. It's awesome. It's really funny. At least it makes me laugh, okay? So. But I believe that relationships have power. Who, who knows that relationships have power? Relationships are super powerful. The first church was devoted to something called fellowship or koinonia. Do you know what the word koinonia means? The Greek word koinonia means a couple of things. It means sharing. It means fellowship as we all, the translations all talk about fellowship. But koinonia is not just fellowship. It's about sharing. It's about communion, which we're going to take this morning as a church. It's so powerful. We're going to take communion together to proclaim our our unity and our oneness. It also means partnership or participation. 
So it's, it's talk, talking about involvement and, and really participating in one another's lives, I believe. And then not sexual intercourse, but social intercourse, okay? I especially put that in there, you know, the intercourse part, that you realize it's, it's social intercourse, okay? Talking about marriages on Friday night was really fun. But uh, we're talking here about social intercourse, about connecting with one another. The word one another, or the phrase one another, is used 81 times in the New Testament alone. 81. And most of those are referring to the connection between one another. What must happen between one another? Some of them are not specifically talking about like relationships. It's just in a different context. But most of the phrase one another in the New Testament is about what happens between us as, as people of God. There's that saying that goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, then go together. What is the Springboks motto? Stronger together. We are better together. We have a saying in our church, life is better in groups. Say life is better in groups. Life is better together. Life is much better in relationship. And you know why? Because God himself is already in relationship. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit eternally exist in, in fellowship, in communion, in koinonia. So how do you think God would want us to live alone? Why do you think he would want us to live isolated just with him alone? Or, or with, him, with us in relationship with him alone? He wants us to experience koinonia with one another. And I think some Christians get it right to have a great relationship with the Lord. And many people these days want to leave the church because they want relationship personally with Jesus, but they don't want to have anything to do with his body. And that's just so sad. It's so wrong. Team is blessed because of differences and diversity. Isn't that so? Team and relationships and, and a body is blessed because of differences and diversity. And relationships cause maturity in us. Relationships are powerful because they can cause growth in us. I've grown the most. In fact, I've probably only grown because of people around me. I cannot grow alone with Jesus. And I experienced it in my relationship with Jesus. I got born again. I got saved with a personal divine encounter. But no one walked with me. And I didn't grow as much. I had this revelation that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. But I did not grow much at all. I went to church, came back, didn't really grow much until I, until I came into true community, true communion with, with spirit-filled believers that would challenge me and help me to grow. So relationships cause maturity in us when we give and receive feedback. And I, and I learned that again on this race that we did, 70 Ks in four days up and down mountains with the one I love very much but with the one that can also frustrate me very much. So, so we decided to do this race together. I decided, maybe my wife didn't have a full say in it because she said, let's not run together because you're faster, I'm slower. So it's like, it's gonna cause tension. I knew that. And the Lord said to me, it's gonna cause tension, but I want you to do this together. I really want you to work on your relationship together. And I wanna work on stuff in your own heart. And it was so freeing, but, but also so challenging. When on the third day, I decided I'm over this and I'm running ahead, and I didn't tell her, and she's very cross with me at the end, and yeah, it was just, you know, I'm not going to go into that now, but, but it, was, it was great for me. At the time, it wasn't always nice, but it was good because I realized, hey, I'm still so selfish. I'm still so wanting stuff for myself instead of always for us, and so the Lord is really working in me in this whole thing of, of relationships, but 
I realized that in the day and age we live in, relationships are under attack. Who knows that relationships are under attack? And I don't think it's a new thing. I think it's always been like that. When you commit to a marriage, when you commit to walking a journey with someone, not only marriage, but just even with your kids, you know, like there's a relationship, it's going to be challenged. Covenant and commitment to, to a person is going to be challenged. The devil hates it and God loves it. We live in a very individualistic, selfish culture where it's all about me. And that's why we need to get to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me to get rid of me, like Sikhi so beautifully shared. We have busy lives, we have work, we have children, we, we live in a survival mentality many times, where, where we are just coping with me, I'm just surviving because, because I'm just in, in a survival mentality. And I think it's so not God's heart that we survive. And I believe it's because we many times are feeling powerless in terms of relationships. We feel like, like powerless people. And so I was reading this book by a guy called Danny Silk from Bethel. And I'm going to base this morning and the next three weeks sermons a lot on, on Danny Silk's book called, um, he first wrote a book called Loving on Purpose, or he had a series called Loving on Purpose. And then his latest book is, is called, um, um, yeah, I've forgotten the word now. Do you know it, Andre, or not? Um, yeah, anyway, but it's about loving on, it's about really being intentional about love. It, it's called Keep Your Love On, that's right. Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. I want to encourage you to get the book called Keep Your Love On. And, and he talks in this book about, about being powerful people versus being powerless people. Are you a powerless person or are you a powerful person? All of us would like to think we are powerful people because, you know, like we're believers and we're saved and so we're powerful. But our relationships don't always show that we're powerful people. And I've seen this. I'm so challenged by, by what I've been reading in this book or what I've read in this book and what I've been going through. You see, powerless people don't really know who they are in Christ. Powerful people do. Powerless people say the following, I'll try. I'll try and make this work. But it's an irresponsible voice. I'll try, I hope for the best, I wish. Powerless people also say, I have to do this. Or I can't do this. And I've, and I've seen it in my kids, you know, like I realize, you know, when you start to have these things exposed in your own life, you, you see it in other people's lives. And, and, and so our kids are small, so we don't expect too much of them. But we, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't. Then, then I... You know, our, our boys were having a table tennis match the other day, and then one loses and the one wins, and, and sometimes the other way around, the one loses and the other wins, and it's, they always have been challenged with like, and, and, and then the one who wins sometimes teases the other one who loses, and so the one, like the one who's losing says, I can't cope with this, I can't, I can't, I can't, and I'm trying to say to him, no, 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 you can, you have a choice. I know it's tough, I know it's difficult, but we can try and tell the other one not to tease the one to help the relationship, but you know, eventually in life, he's going to be confronted with that. And is he going to keep saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. So powerless people are irresponsible. Powerless people say, I have to do this, I've got to do this, or I better do this, I must do this. And I can't do this. It's a powerless voice. Because there's a force out there that seems to be controlling you. A force that we can blame our, our choices on. Isn't that so? Powerless people live anxiously and want control of other people. And so they blame other people and blame situations. Powerless people will always blame. 
On the other hand, powerful people will say, I will do this. I won't do that. I will do this. I won't do that. Powerful people choose to do things. Powerful people say, I choose to do this, and I want to do this, not I have to do this. As if a force is telling you, you have to do this, or you've got to do this. You choose, I have to. No, I won't do this. Yes, I will do that. And so, so in rela- and we'll look at in relationships now how this works, but there's three types of relating to one another. And I want you to think about the relationships in your life, okay? So especially married couples, you can think of this, but any relationship with a single person. So it could be your dad, your mom, your brother, sister, your friend, your housemate, your work colleague, whatever. Just But think of one-on-one relationships, not a relationship with a group. This is one-on-one relationship. There's three types of relating. There's a powerless person plus another powerless person. And what happens in that relationship? Control. Two powerless people in a relationship, there's control. Okay. A powerful person plus a powerless person, what is that going to result in? Dependency. That powerless person is going to be super dependent on that powerful person. And it's just going to be... It's going to work. It can absolutely work. But there's a dependency, an unhealthy dependency on that other person. And what we ultimately want to get to is two powerful people in relationship with one another. What does that lead to? Freedom. We all spoke about it. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Say freedom. All of us want freedom in our lives. Amen. But how often do we have freedom in relationships? I mean, how often do we have Little freedom or partial freedom in relationships. There's either control, there's dependency, or there's other, probably a few other things as well. I'm just going on what, on what Danny Silk says. Three of these types of relationships. And I want you to think about you. You might be a powerful person in one relationship, but you might feel powerless in another relationship. So you might be dependent in one relationship. You might be controlling in another relationship. But ultimately, Jesus wants to get us to a place of freedom, and he has bought that freedom for us on the cross, guys. So, so in his book, he talks here about, there's a diagram I want you to put up now. He talks about how, how are strong relationships in our lives formed. And he talks about the roof of those relationships is built on seven pillars. And I want to go through three of them this morning and the next four next week, or however we, we get to next week, we'll see. But he, he talks here about the, the, the foundation of this house, because this house is, is ultimately what we want in our personal lives and in, in, our, you know, in our personal walk with the Lord, but we also want it in community and in your relationship with the person closest to you. The, the, the top there is, is powerful, strong relationships. It's, there's joy, peace, hope, there's, there's freedom, there's, there's all of that. All of us want that roof over our heads. We want that place of freedom and not control and oppression and negativity. But it's all based on something called unconditional acceptance. These pillars are based on a foundation of unconditional acceptance. So what does that mean? And this is so powerful. I want you to listen to this carefully. The unconditional acceptance there means that you get to be you in this relationship, and I get to be me in this relationship. You get to be fully you in this relationship, I get to be fully me in this relationship, but most of the time, many times in relationships, we want the person to become like us, isn't that so? So there's this joke about marriage, you know, they say that women, when they get married, they so hope that the man changes, 
and he doesn't. They're so wishing that the man changes because I, I need to change this guy. I love this guy, but he needs to change. And guess what? He doesn't. The man gets married so hoping that the woman will just stay who she is. And you know what? She changes. Whoa, it's not the same person I married yeah, five years down the line. Whoa, what happened to that person I, you know, I met a few years ago? You know, Maybe got a bit rounder, maybe got a bit thinner. I don't know, but she changed, right? And the guy, he's just stuck in his same old, same old. You know, he just doesn't change, doesn't want to change. But, but it's not about changing or not. It's about being controlling that person, wanting that person to be like you or in your idea of, of what you want in a relationship. Isn't that so? So, so, and that doesn't mean behavior is acceptable. It's not saying, oh, you must just accept and suck up the person's wrong behavior. Not at all. In fact, I'll show you now that it's exactly not that. But it's about not controlling the other person. It's about letting go of control. So I was confronted with this in the very first year of our marriage. After a few months, my wife loved to watch a program called Seven Delon. Anyone remember Seven Delon? I hated Seven Delon, okay? <laughs> Although when you start watching it, the more you start, the more you just want to watch it, okay? So so I said to her, between six and seven, and when was seven alarm? Exactly the time when, when people are supposed to relate to one another. Supper time, or it's, you know, if you have kids, that's kids' time. Luckily, we didn't have kids at the time, so it was supposed to be our time. This is connection time. So now seven alarm is coming into my connection time, because I want to connect with my wife. We've just worked hard. Five o'clock, we come home, we exercise, and then exactly when you want to have supper or connect, a half an hour of seven alarm comes and disturbs your little bubble, you know. So I was said, from now on, we are now married, you will not watch Seven Alarm because you heard people preaching about it, it's ungodly, it's not right, and I want to control her not to watch Seven Alarm. And if you know Esther King, well, you will know, if you tell her what to do, she will do the opposite, okay? She's very strong-willed, she's amazing, she loves Jesus, and she obeys him probably more than me, so thank you, Lord, for a wife that helps me to become holy. Although I'm very happy as well, but I've become more holy in this marriage. And I try to control her. I try to say, this will not happen. You will submit now and you will not. And the more I did that, the more tension it created. And eventually I realized, you know what, I'm losing this person. So I think what I did was I, I, we had a few fights, but eventually I let her watch it. And after a while, I said, you know, this stuff's actually a mess. I'm switching this off, you know. <laughs> but I realized, you know, the more we control, the worse a relationship. It's just terrible for any relationship. And I had to learn a couple of things because a couple of things challenge us because she wants me to be in a certain way. I want to be her, want, to be her, want her to be a certain way, so, so we try to control. But I, 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 a foundation of unconditional acceptance says you get to be you in this relationship. I get to be me. Be me. And when there's behavior that is, that is hurting our connection, I'm going to start telling you that. I'm going to be honest. With you. I'm going to tell you certain things are not so nice. So let's, let's focus on our connection here. Let's strengthen our connection. Let's not be in control. But what happens is when the levels of anxiety in a relationship increase, and think of your, think of your relationships. When there's fear and anxiety and you're not sure where you stand, what happens? Control increases. You want to control even more. When, when you're unsure, when there's anxiety in that relationship, you tend to control or you start to control. But God's heart is that we grow in maturity and that we come to a place where there's no more fear. And guess what? The Bible says perfect or mature love. What does it do? It casts out all fear. So we need to grow in maturity, grow in perfect love. 
in order that fear is cast out. When, when you are scared, when you are afraid, you know what happens? The worst you comes out. Have you thought about that? When you're afraid and when fear grips your life, the worst you comes out. So we, when we were running this race, the, the day I went ahead on my own like this, and I was running, and there's a cameraman that, that starts to take, um, you know, he, he comes out, there's like this bush piece, and then the camera goes, it's a nice flat road, it wasn't up in the trails, it was along this beautiful dam, and the cameraman is out, I'm running on my own now, there's no one really near to me, so I'm, I see this camera, and I want to pose for the camera, and I'm, I'm flying like this, I'm posing for the camera, and this baboon jumps out, this guy... <laughs> Well, baboon in inverted commas, but he, he's got a suit on and he's, and he's specially there to scare all these runners that when they're thinking they're posing perfectly for the camera, they're going to have a very different pose because it's like, <laughs> so I was like, I shouted and screamed and jumped out and, and afterwards we sh they showed a video of, of a lot of these people like, and this one guy, he was so funny, he's running all calm there and he's, re he's with his partner posing for the, and the, this guy jumps out and he, the slow-mo, and he goes like this. But he becomes this like little chicken trying to fly away. It looked so bad and so weird. And I realized then, you know, when our, when our, when our fear increases, when we're afraid in life, our worst you comes, the worst you comes out. Just like that guy jumping and scaring all the people. And, and when the worst you comes out, the relationship is not going to be so great. It's not going to be blessed because you're probably going to make the other person like the worst you that you are. The goal is to build a relationship so strong that we manage ourselves to protect our connection. That is our goal. Our goal is to manage ourselves well that we protect our connection, that we can have the best possible connection with one another. So think about the relationships in your life. Is it, is it the best possible connection that you can have? Or is there possibly fear or other things that are, that are causing you to not be you? And so I believe, so let's look at three of these things now. The first thing that, that Danny Silk writes here that, that will cause a, a, a strong relationship, a powerful relationship. The first building block is love. Now, now what is love? I love running. I love Church, I love ministry, I love, love, you know, I can love a lot of stuff, but what does that love mean? The Bible says in 1 John 4, 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. A relationship where there's fear cannot mature, it cannot grow to a place where there's freedom. There's always going to be control. Fear equals control. But I believe that love is an environment. Say love is an environment. I believe when, when, when there's true love, when there's, when there's this perfect love, it results in an environment, a specific environment. And I want you to think about your relationships. Is this environment true in your relationships? First of all, a safe environment. Say safe environment. And I trust that our church even will be so filled with this love that there will be a safe environment in our church where people can be themselves. As Andre said, this is freedom. We can share words. Yeah, it might not be perfect and spot on, but it, it's a safe environment. We're not after perfection. We're after an environment of safety and, and, and security. True love creates a safe environment where both parties can be vulnerable. 
Are, are, are your
I'm a leader. I don't care. I'll just be who I am. No, we grow. We become more like Jesus. But there's not pressure to be perfect, but yet, so, so we, we hold back and we don't share our hearts. We don't share our deepest secrets with people. We hide ourselves. We put a mask on and we put the best foot forward. And you know, Jesus cannot save the person you're pretending to be. Jesus cannot change the person you're pretending to be. We need to be real. We need to be real with the Lord. The good news is Jesus was naked on the cross. He was fully seen, fully known, and rejected. You know what? He still chose to go the whole way, and he still chose to do what was bad for him, what was tough for him. Why did he choose us? That we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to hide away. We don't have to try and put the best foot forward. He's done it. He's, he's, he's put his best foot forward that we don't have to. We can just be real and be changed by him in an environment of love. So how can you create an environment of love within you and around you? Because if you can create that, a powerful person always creates an environment of love where there's safety, there's security, there's protection, there's connection. Are you moving closer to the people in your life or are you moving away from people in your life? And that's the question this morning I want to ask all of us. Let's move closer to each other through love. The second powerful weapon or powerful a building block in our lives and in our relationships is the thing called honor. What is honor? Romans 12 verse 10 says the following, says love each other with genuine affection. So he says love is number one. Love is important. But then he says and, say and. So, so honor and love are different. Love is, is the environment. I really believe love is such a powerful environment that, that the Lord pours out in our hearts. But then he says and take the light in. Honoring each other. And this is talking about, about believers. Paul is writing to the Romans. He says, this is how you must live as Christians. Because of the gospel, he's shared the whole gospel in 11 chapters. And then he says, right, chapter 12. Because of this great gospel, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. Be changed. This is how you must live as a Christian. Live with love for one another. Love with genuine affection. Not pretense love or fake love. Love genuinely, but also honor one another. In fact, don't just honor, take delight in honoring one another. Isn't that beautiful? The level is high. Say the level is high. And I, you know, when we were praying earlier this morning, I felt the Lord saying, you know, we as if we want to be powerful people, we must not say, God, you come down to my level. We are being drawn up to God's level. Amen. Jesus is drawing up us up to his level. And his level is take delight in honoring. Don't honor just because you have to or because the Bible says so. Take delight in honoring because there's something in your heart that wants to and that loves to and that chooses to honor. Dishonor happens when one has power and then the other overpower, or the, that one overpowers the other person. So I know like in the ministry, I have power just because of my position. So I can overpower people you know, just new people coming into church because they must submit and they must conform. And so I've, I've got power. So I'm dishonoring someone walking into church if I'm handling them incorrectly without love. I'm, because I've got power. People look up to me. People might look up to you. You're a leader in business. You're a team leader. You're a life group leader. You, you have power. And if you, if you overpower someone because of your power, you actually dishonor them. So guess what, husbands? We can overpower our wives. And totally dishonor them because we have been called to be the head. So, so we can control our wives because, hey, wives, you better submit. And it's the, it's the trend, you know. And that's why women's love is happening. There's, you know, women are rebelling against this power and this control of, and it's not a thing of, 
actually control and power. It's about dishonoring, dishonoring that person, not lifting them up. Honoring is lifting up someone. Honoring, honor is the practice of two powerful people working together to meet the needs of one another. And you know how God has done this? God has called us his friends. He has, he has, he has honored us by lifting us up and saying, you know what? I've made a way. You are my friends. As sinful and as messed up as you people are, I'll, I'll call you high. I've made you my friends. That's called honor. God has honored us by calling us his friends. Friendship should not be held together by how much power I have over you, but by how I treat you. It's not about surrendering all your power at all. It's about being powerful. A powerful person will honor easily without feeling insecure. Just think about it. It's like with our kids. You know, you, you sometimes want, you know, your kids to always, you know, your kids must submit and they must learn and do things and listen to you. But, you know, sometimes I find myself just realizing, you know what? I'm just, I just want to serve my kids now. You know, I just, I just want to do stuff for them that, yes, they could do for themselves. And I must teach them to do certain things like picking up their clothes. And I can decide to get cross if they're not doing it. Or I can decide, you know what, I'll serve you and I'll, and I'll, and I'll show you a better way. I'll show you an example by, by serving you, by making you a cup of coffee, by helping you to do the stuff that you should also do. But to do it, to honor them. Not feeling like they must serve me and they must do everything in the house. Yes, they must learn a few things. But if we're secure in who we are, we, we serve people, we love people, we go the extra mile for people. And I remember even, even disciplining my children out of a dishonor, you know, disciplining them in anger. And I realized I so dishonored them when I was angry with them, frustrated with them. Yes, I know I must discipline them, but my heart is not right. I'm absolutely dishonoring them. I'm doing the right thing, but my heart is far far from where God wants it. So we can do the right things, but we have dishonor in our hearts. Honor is finding a solution that meets the needs of both parties in the relationship. So honor is, is actually a place where we can do something that we've been given two things for, and the other thing we've been given one thing for. Honoring equals listening. How many ears do we all have? Just point to your ears, both of them. Some of you, I don't know if some of you have got, only got one ear, but we can pray for healing. But, or maybe the one ear is just blocked. Any marriages here, are their ears blocked, wives? Or the husband's ears are a bit blocked? So one, one side is often blocked. The side that your wife is, that's blocked. Eh? You don't hear. You hear the Lord on this side and your wife is it's closed. But both here, we've been given two ears so that we can listen to one another, especially those who are close to you. Honor is about listening to someone else and finding a solution together and listening to really understand that person. Do you really understand their heart? Or do you just listen so they can finish speaking and then you're going to bring the solution, you know? I remember also early in our marriage that I just I'm an engineer, okay, so I'm, I'm into solutions. And my wife, at the end of the day, she's had a busy day now. She just wants to talk, and now she's, she's having problems, and there's all sorts of problems, or not problems at work, but just stuff she wants to share, and I can see the solution in front of me. Now I'll start giving her solutions. So she's listening here. Can you stop giving solutions, okay? I just want to share my heart. Oh, shucks, I'm sorry. Then she feels the whole time I'm telling her what to do, you know. And now sometimes she would say to me, listen, I'm going to share this with you, but just, just don't say anything now, okay? So that's a good way of finding a solution <laughs> together, okay? Just don't say anything now. And then I'm like, oh, I'll listen to your heart. And then I'm wanting to give a solution. I'm like, no, I'm just going to listen. The Lord will give her the solution. 
And it just builds such a beautiful connection when I listen and I honor and I create an environment of love and not of fear. Because why do we listen to understand the person? Because we value what they are going through. We value them. We honor them. We value what they're going through. And then what do we do with that information? We respond. We don't react. We respond because of honor. And that's why in a relationship, it's important to share information. So, you know, the worst relationships are the silent treatment relationships. Okay, I'm praise the Lord I'm married to someone who doesn't give the silent treatment. But I've seen relationships where there's a silent treatment and people have to suck it up for days not knowing what is going on here. Is this person cross? Are they upset? Are they it's just a wall? And some of us are like that. Some of us are, 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 are just silent treatment people. We're not going to sort it out. We're just not going to talk. No, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to avoid it. No. Everything is fine, but you know everything is not fine. You can see on your face things aren't fine. But we don't want to talk. And what does that build? Does that build love or fear? What do you think? It definitely builds more anxiety. I mean, I, I don't know where I'm standing with this, but what have I done wrong? <laughs> so at the end of this race, the, the one day now where I ran ahead and I had to wait at the end of the line and, you know, the guys said, what happened? He sees I'm in a team. He says, did you diss your wife? I'm like, uh, no, we just, she was struggling a bit, you know. So how long are you going to have to wait? No, about half an hour. <laughs> and he said, okay, go and wait over there. And I'm thinking, oh, no, when we come over this line together, there's going to be teasing. This guy's going to rip us apart because we had our separate, you know, we had our differences and I'd finished with our turn. But I didn't go across the line. I waited. 20 minutes go by, I think oh, she's going to come right now, and there she comes, and I'm like surprised, sure, she came much quicker than half an hour, she's having a great race, and I am put my pack on again, I'm ready to do the last few meters with her, and I'm like, yes, babes, well done, you're looking so amazing, and there's just this, just don't talk to me now, I'm like, whoa, I'm like so excited, we're finishing together, and don't talk to me, okay. I said, this guy is going to, we better finish in unity here. You know, this guy is going to take, he's, don't talk to me. Just, just stop. I, I don't, yo, are we going to go across the line in unity? Yeah, but I'm just, and we come up and there's this place where you have to let your, you know, you let your partner go through first. You can't go through together. And then these kids and parents cheering and they said, yeah, well done. You've come third or fourth or whatever. And, and I let her go through first. And the guy was like, yes, you're even scoring points, man. Look, you let her go through. I said, buddy, I'm not scoring any points. I'm in the negative, okay? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to sort this out, but there's no unity here. But we crossed the line, and then she's so cross with me, and said, how can you leave me? And I'm trying to understand. I thought it was a blessing that I went ahead, because, you know, yeah, but you should have come back for me at least, you know, give each other space, but don't run on your own. But then, then I realized I must just come to this place where I have to listen to her now. I can justify as much as I want to what I've done right, because I think I'm right, but I've, I've messed up here, and I have to humble myself and listen. So I, get, I go to the Lord, I go away, we don't talk for an hour, so I'm just, Lord, help me to get to this place of unity again. Help me to, what did I do wrong, Lord? Where, where's this stuff in my life that I'm so selfish? Because she tells me exactly what I am. I'm selfish, it's all about me. You know? and I don't want to hear that because I'm laying down my life for people, you know. Not for her, obviously. <laughs> and then it's amazing, that afternoon we had good conversations. She tells me exactly the information I needed. I'm so thankful she didn't wait five days to tell me what was really on her heart. And she said there's stuff been building. It wasn't just what happened that day. It was a build-up. It was all of this. And I'm like, thank you so much for sharing this information because now I can listen and understand what's going on in your heart. 
And, and the Lord sorted out quickly. And we had an amazing last day. We finished together. We went more than two meters apart. I stayed as close as I could to her without smothering her. <laughs> but it was, it was so beautiful. Uh, uh, that race depicted our lives together and generally life together. You have your ups and downs just like mountains, mountains and valleys. But are we, are we listening and responding instead of reacting out of insecurity? If we're powerful people, we won't be insecure. We won't be over-controlling. We won't be trying to focus on that person instead of our stuff. So the second question, how can you build a culture of honor into your life and around your life where you can honor and listen and understand the person and lift them up and not bring them down? And then the last one, the third out of the seven is the powerful thing called self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, and a sound mind or self-control or self-discipline. And you know what? If, if I look at life, look at COVID, look at the COVID pandemic, we, we, we felt so controlled, right? We were so controlled by circumstances. We were so controlled by people. We seem to live in an environment where we are so influenced and controlled by other people and by circumstances and by what is outside of us instead of being controlled by what is inside of us. Because who is inside of us? Life himself. He is life. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He hasn't given us this, this, this spirit of being controlled. He's given us a spirit of power, being powerful people, not powerless people. So instead of being controlled by outward stuff, we, we should be controlled by who is inside of us. And when and he is inside of us, you know what? We can have self-control, a sound mind, the mind of Christ. So I want to say this morning, in any relationship, it's your job to manage you. You are not there to manage the other person and control the other person. It's your job to manage you. So guess what? You can choose a goal for yourself. And what is your goal? To move towards each other, to have a close, intimate, loving connection. You can choose that. No matter what they did to you. Isn't that wonderful? No matter what they did to you, you can choose to move closer to them. So I love what Danny Silk says. He says, I cannot blame you for how I am behaving towards you. I cannot blame you. This is hectic, guys. This standard is next level. I'm like, Lord, help me get this right. It's so easy to blame someone because of how I'm reacting and how I'm acting. But I cannot blame you for how I'm acting. Does Jesus get shaken by our sin? Does he get shaken and freak out when, when something happens in this world, when sin happens? He, he doesn't freak out. He's, he's powerful. And then he also says, he says, if I ever turn my love off towards you, 100% my fault. If I ever turn my love off towards you, it's 100% my fault. If I ever change my goal from connection to distance, because that's what the devil wants to do, he'll want to create distance. So we move away, we step away, we, we freak out. If I ever choose that above connection, it's 100% my fault. And not only my fault, it's my responsibility. I've chosen to do that. But how easily do we blame other people? How do we easily do we blame situations for our choices? We should never allow others to determine how we feel or act. And that is being powerful. If we're powerful people, we won't let other people freak us out. And so self-control is about 
not getting the other person to do what you can try and get them to do. Because that's what control does. It, it's just, I, I'm going to get this person and control them as much as possible to do what I want them to do or to do what I think is best for them. Then it'll be great because it's going to be easy for me then. I just control it. I'm, I'm thinking I'm powerful, but I'm so powerless. So I'm just going to get that person to do what I want them to do and then I'll control them. And great, let's have a nice dependency relationship here. But it's rather self-control is actually about empowering the other person through giving good information about what I need. So, so you say, this is what I need for this connection. Your behavior, yeah, it's not so good. Let's work on this. This is, this is worrying me. But I'm going to control how I feel. I'm going to control my behavior. So you tell me what behavior is not nice in, in this way. And great, you can talk about it and share information and be honest and say, okay, great, let's focus on our connection. Let's have the best connection we can possibly have. And then what do you need? Once you've shared that information, all you need to do is let go and say, I trust you. I'm not going to control you and keep following up and keep going to trust you. And the only way to build trust is to practice trust. If we want trustworthy relationships, we need to build it. We need to give people opportunities to be trusted. Isn't that so? And it's about empowering leaders as well. If we want to empower leaders, and I'm like, Lord, help me to do this because I so want to empower leaders. So I need to trust people. Yes, they're going to make mistakes. They're definitely not going to be perfect, but I want to empower them and trust them. The only way to build trust is to practice trust. So how can you better control your own heart? How can you self-control yourself better? How can you manage your emotions and your life better instead of trying to control other people? Because what we do when we don't really have self-control, we do tend to control others. Because God said, I want you to control. I've given you control. But you know what you have control over? Your own heart. You cannot control someone else's. And that's freedom, guys. Last scripture, and then we'll pray and take communion together. Proverbs 25, 28, Yo, this is hectic. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Let's read that again. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit, and, that, and that, that, the other translation says, whoever has no self-control and self-discipline over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You are open for the devil to do whatever he wants with your life. You're an open target if you cannot rule your own spirit. And what it, what it will do, it will hurt other people around. It's going to hurt you, but it's going to hurt other people. There's a saying that goes, hurting people hurt people. We'll always hurt other people if we cannot control and deal with our own stuff. Love changes people, but sometimes we do mistake love as control. And we want to control, control, control. So I want the ushers to pass around the communion elements this morning. And I want us to, to really say to God, God, this morning, I, wanna, I want to trust you, Lord, to move closer to my spouse, to move closer to my friends, to move closer to those who you have called me to walk with. So the question this morning, how are you doing in each of these three pillars? Love. Is there an environment of love around you? Is there an environment of safety, protection, connection? Can people connect with you? Is there love there? And it's not about personality. Yes, there's certain personalities that are more people-orientated, certain are more tasked. But you know what? It's not about that. The Holy Spirit wants to override that and say, 
I want to do something new in your life. And he's done it in my life. I'm naturally more task-focused person, but I just say, Lord, thank you that I just love people. Thank you that when I see people, I just give them a hug, man. <laughs> Sometimes Anin gets freaked out because Anin's not such a hug person. And I say, Anin, I'm going to hug you. you know? <laughs> it was so nice the other day because Anin and Jeff were at our marriage thing earlier in the year. And they sh- Anin said, yeah, love language, definitely not hug or touch for Anin. And I'm like, okay, great. I know, I can, but I, I, I love Anin. I don't want to overdo it, you know. But, but I remember I was changed by hugs in Shofar. I never, as a guy, I would never hug other guys. And yeah, these oaks are hugging me. Like, and, and I got so free. And I started hugging my dad, and my dad changed. Now my dad doesn't shake hands with me anymore. He goes straight for the hug. I'm like, yes, kingdom win, you know. Let, let's get closer. Let's not be so stiff. I am going to change you is so different than saying, I am going to change for you. How about saying that, married couples and friends and anyone, anyone in church, you know, I'm going to change that pastor because he's not keeping up to my expectations. I'm going to do everything to make his life difficult that he changes. (laughs) No, 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 I'm going to change for you. How about doing that? I'm going to change for this beautiful wife of mine and she gets more and more beautiful by the day. You can't believe that dress you're wearing is so, so beautiful. Don't you guys, th- don't you guys think Esther is amazing? <laughs> guys, I, I have got, I think I'm minus two now, okay? I'm still a bit in the negative, but it's been from minus 100 to, to like, I'm almost on zero, okay? <laughs> but we're real, eh? <laughs> If you ever thought Shofar PE's pastors were perfect, you, you realize now they are far from it. But let's say I'm going to change for you instead, or I, I will change for you instead of I'm going to try and change you. And if we can all change for the sake of Christ, because ultimately it's for Him, but if we can change for one another, imagine what a beautiful community we'll be. So I'm saying, Jesus, help us all do this. Whether you're black, white, colored, you know, we're a multiracial church. I love it. I'm going to change. I'm not going to try and conform you to Western culture or to white culture or, you know, to black. We are going to change for one another. Isn't that beautiful? I loved our marriage seminar Friday night. It was just having Pastor Jay minister. And, you know, it was just a beautiful thing of this is who we are as a church. We're different people. And he was, I think he challenged a few people. I know the way he spoke and some things he said was challenging. But, hey, let's, let's all change for one another. Let's be open to receive whoever's ministering. Let's be open to receive from different types of people. I know Suzanne last week was also a bit different for what some people expected or whatever. Great. Let's have different speakers to come and challenge because not everyone preaches like me. Not everyone is leading like me. But let's change for one another instead of trying to change one another. And if we can do that, God will be glorified. And you know what? People will be drawn to this community. And I know God is doing something special here. Let's just keep with it. Let's just keep going. Let's say, God, change us that we can be the best church for this city that we can be, that we can cause revival, cause restoration, cause rebuilding of the ancient ruins. Let's, let's be God's people in this place because only powerful people have powerful and healthy relationships, eh? And healthy people and powerful people are happy people. So let's be powerful people. Let's not be powerless people. The devil wants to keep us powerless, but he... He's been defeated. His lies are not going to get anything on us. We are powerful in Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's all pray together. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. 
Go to www.chevronline.tv to download and share.